At KeyBank, we understand what you need to run a middle market company. We bring a team of strategists and problem solvers to design and deliver solutions critical to your business's success. KeyBank offers industry expertise, investment banking and capital markets, payment automation, loans and lines of credit, plus equipment financing. Connect with your local KeyBank team. Learn more at key.com slash commercial. Welcome to the Grit Daily Startup. I'm your host, Sebastian Rusk, and this is a podcast about what goes on behind the scenes at startups. The good, the bad, and the gritty. Let's dive in. Lisa, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Sebastian. I really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for taking the time out of your day to hang out with us here on the Great Daily Startup Show. We love to talk about the world of startup on this show, Lisa, the, the good, the bad, and what we like to call the gritty. So I'm curious to learn what your experience has been in the world of startup. But before we get into all that, let's back up a little bit, help our listeners better understand a little bit more about you and your backstory, what really brought you to what you're working on in present day. Sure. Yeah. So I've been in the market research industry for about 20 years. In fact, it's 20 years this month. Um, I just Congrats. realized that. <laughs> Thanks. 20 years I flies by, doesn't it? It really does. It really, really does. Um, yeah. And I think I, I kind of fell into market research like a lot of my other colleagues. If you if you talk to a lot of practitioners in our industry, their their story is is pretty similar to mine. Um, they sort of discovered market research without without intention, but once they fell into the industry, they quickly fell in love with it, and uh, and have been here ever since. And and that rings true for me for sure. I started my career at a company called Harris Interactive, and they were really at the time in the early two thousands, um, kind of on the cutting edge of 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 research. Uh, prior to that, most research was done offline through phone centers, through mall intercepts, things like that. Um, but when the online world really took off in the early 2000s, researchers said to themselves, hey, you know, I think we can do this online and, and do it in a, in a much more um, expeditious manner, uh, cheaper and and provide new insights that otherwise would not surface through some of those more traditional modalities. And so I, I feel and consider myself very lucky to have started when I did. Uh, so when I was at Harris, I was running research projects online from start to finish and then moved over to the panel team where really I got my first taste of of all things sample. So when I say sample, I mean survey participants, people that uh, volunteer their time to take online surveys to provide various businesses with, with insights that they can then activate uh, at, at their respective companies uh, and really provide uh, just some great kind of lanes of, of of eyesight that otherwise would not be able to to surface. Uh, you know, there's so much time, so many times you're sort of sitting on a lot of data or you have questions about how your business is performing or how you can be of, of better service to your clients. And you need research to really fuel fuel that that remit. And so I, I quickly fell in love with the the space and everything that was was happening inside research. And, you know, our, our industry has seen just an incredible um, wave of innovation. Uh, and so spent about six years at Harris, then moved on to my first startup. So, I mean, I, mean, I think <laughs> I think it's interesting to point out, like when you go from a publicly traded, large, traditional business to then 
you know, a 10 person startup in a tiny little office, it's, it's a pretty big change. And, and the CEO at the time said, you know, I hired you because you're so great at process and procedure and you have such great expertise. He's like, but I kind of need to deprogram you a little bit too. So we still joke about that today. There, there's definitely a deprogramming that needs to happen because how you build a startup is very different than how you operate in a traditional company. Oh, goodness. I mean, almost like night and day where. Oh, yeah. Big time. Big time. You know, I I, I was a person that, you know, coming from <clears throat> operations, I loved process and procedure. I saw it kind of really work in, in large companies. It's it's very hard to to move a lot of people and get them to do what you need them to do if you don't inject good, good standard process and procedure. But in a startup, you need to be very agile. You need to not necessarily not care about process, but uh, you need to, I guess, sacrifice perfect for, for good enough uh, <laughs> because you're moving so quickly and you've, you've got so many different irons in the fire. Your role, no matter where you sit in a startup organization is by design going to be so much more broad uh, and and a wider scope than what you're used to. And that's going to require you to put on a lot of different hats that you're maybe not always feeling that you have the agency or or your credential to do, but you you take it on and you sort of figure it out as you go. I think those are kind of the big, big themes that I would say represent startup life. Absolutely. So let's talk about what you guys are doing over at Innovate MR. What's that all about? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I was at USAM for a number of years and then and then moved on to another startup, which was which was Innovate MR. So we're coming on uh, almost nine years uh, in in the industry. And uh, so we kicked off in 2014. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think at that point in time, if you look if you looked at the industry, you'd see that it was quite saturated with other companies that were doing what we were setting out to do. So the competition was was really stiff. Uh, and we quickly realized that in order to build a new business that's going to be meaningful and a, a benefit to clients and prospective clients, you have to really address the pain points that that clients are are feeling. And uh, so we landed on really three different uh, pillars to design and and formulate what our, what we wanted our business to be here at Innovate. And the first one is really around quality. Quality is so critical. If you do not have, uh, you know, a solid design for your survey, if you don't have great participants to to collect data against, uh, then you're really kind of starting off on your back foot, uh, and and arguably you will not have good insights coming out of that that research project. So really focusing on quality and understanding that there's all different types of of permutations uh, to think about. You know, there's the those nefarious agents online that are are doing malicious things to garner incentives, uh, look you know making themselves look unique when in fact they're not. So there's there's sort of blatant cyber fraud that occurs in our industry and others, and that's certainly something that we have a lot of experience uh, dealing with and and have a lot of background and research on research and testing and understanding kind of what are the methods that these fraudsters use. But then as you move along that spectrum, you realize there's other people that maybe are coming from highly incentivized websites. They're hyper aware, they're hyper satisfied. They want to be all the things in order to qualify. They're real humans, but they're maybe not the right humans for your survey. And then on the far end of that spectrum, you have just natural duplication that it can occur if you're not leveraging the right technology to dedupe people coming into your survey. So really understanding that that wide spectrum exists and that you have to really address it head on and, and leverage different methodological as well as technological strategies to, to mitigate those risks. That's number one. And that was certainly a pain point that many of clients, you know, that we were working with expressed 
when working with some of our competitors. So we really wanted to double down on that. Number two was finding those hard to reach audiences, whether it's low incidence uh, consumer audiences or B2B respondents or even healthcare folks, people that are patients and or caretakers. When you're dealing with low incidence populations, it can be very challenging to find those individuals online. It's almost like looking for a needle in a haystack. And we have, again, a lot of expertise. Many of our, our staff here are, are in, have been in the space for 20 plus years. So we've seen it all. We've built every type of panel you can imagine. And we've worked with every different type of audience you can imagine. And so we really wanted to offer that that service uh, and that benefit to our clients. And then the third one is just being really quick, being very expeditious. Uh, you know, when we first started in the industry, uh, when I first started the industry, we'd be patting ourselves on the back if we got a project in field and out of field and, and delivered within 12 weeks. And nowadays, that's like an eternity. So really leveraging, doubling down on technology to be more programmatic, to to provide research results in a, in a much quicker fashion than had been experienced by, by clients uh, historically. So those are really like the three things that we're focused on. When you think of Innovate MR, you really think of a global sampling uh, company with research technology embedded uh, in every step of, of, of the way that we work with clients. Uh, and it's been an awesome ride. We're, we're, we're growing quickly with 280 employees now, uh, Sebastian. So we've, wow. We've really grown quite a bit over the years, and uh, it's 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 been such an adventure. Sounds like it. Love it. So switching gears, kind of, sort of, because we're still talking about business and the world of startup, et cetera. What would you say the worst part of the startup process is? Oh, God, that's a that's a great question. Um, it's just very intense. It's such an intense place to operate. Um, there isn't a whole lot of work-life balance. You have to be very disciplined to carve out space for yourself because it can be all-consuming, I would say. And I'm the type of person that gets really obsessed with my work. I think I get it from my mom. Uh, <laughs> and so in those early days, I think that that was the challenge is you know, finding that that good balance, but also figuring out how to prioritize, right? It, when you're when you're building a new company and getting off the ground, there is just a litany of things that have to be done and you can't get it all done. And so what you have to do is really figure out what are the most important priorities and then give yourself permission to deprioritize the other things that are kind of creating noise in your day and in your brain. Um, cause really being that, that disciplined individual and focusing on the key priorities that are going to move your business forward is an absolute imperative for success. The key thing you said there, give yourself permission to do it. And I think that's gross. That's, that's life. I mean, outside yeah. of business startup, et cetera, is, is allowing yourself, you know, giving yourself that permission to, to go and do some very, very empowering, empowering stuff. So when, when we think about the grittiest part of the startup process, what comes to mind? Um, you know, late nights <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you know, I had come on as, uh, you know, sort of head of operations and later moved into the chief research officer role and then later to the CEO role. So I've had a few different roles here over the course of the last nine years, but I would say there, that just scratches the surface, right? The gritty part is you're up late on a Friday night <laughs> when your friends are out having a fun time, you're, you're behind your computer screen, uh, you know, blasting sample to, to a project that's in distress. The client brings you on last minute, let's say, 
or, you know, having to make sure that you get the bills paid, right? Making sure you're blasting out invoices to those that, that you know, the work's been complete and you're ready to get paid. You know, just doing some of that, I'd call it non kind of glamorous work <laughs> um, goes a long way uh, and is important. And it, it certainly does make you kind of lean in and, and, and find that gritty and um, gritty aspect of, of your work style, because there's, there's so much that needs to be done. And so it's really important to, I think, dig deep, uh, and, and, and make it happen. And, and I think too, you just have to be really comfortable wearing different hats. You can't be one of these sort of ivory tower leaders, right? You have to get in the trench. So it's not just about telling your staff that they have to do X, Y, and Z it's showing them and doing it yourself. I think that's a really strong aspect of, of leadership when, when your people can see that you are, are working right alongside them and, uh, in, in the startup world that is required. So, you know, if I look back to our early, early days, our founders were right in the trench with me and it, it just gives you such a strong sense of, of, um, I don't know, camaraderie and, uh, you know, also really respecting those that you're, you're following, uh, through, through the dark tunnels of, of startup life. Right. Um, so that I think really does represent sort of what I think about when I think about grit in, in the startup is that you have to wear a lot of hats that are far outside of what your title describes. Love that. Nailed it. Uh, last question. What's the worst part of the startup process? Mm, the worst part. Um, I guess the uncertainty, even though you can have a strong business plan and you you can build out the resources, the technology, uh, all, all, you know, the people that you're going to need, um, it's 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 intense and that that can really garner pretty high stress levels. And so, again, it goes back to that self-discipline and that sort of monitoring yourself and giving yourself permission to say no when it makes sense and and being really fearless when it comes to focusing on, on, on the priorities, because the, the stress and the intensity of it can have a really, um, it can be very weighing on you personally, and it can seep into other aspects of your life far outside of your professional world. Um, and so that, that stress needs to be monitored and managed. And so finding ways to, to, to bring that stress relief, I think is, is super critical. And, you know, it's interesting as I've, uh, you know, grown this business through, through the years with, you know, with help from our, our tremendous team, you know, there's different types of stress depending on the size of, of your business. So I don't know that the stress necessarily goes away. It's just new problems to solve new stress points that you didn't have before. So you just have to, I think, get to a point where you can absorb some of that stress uh, and harness it to really do great, incredible things. So use it to your advantage, not to your detriment. And then just sort of put all the other noise and distraction to the back burner and really stay laser focused. Um, that that can be the most challenging piece, but it's such a fun ride. So anyone out there that might be listening that hasn't been involved in a startup and you've always you know, been at large companies where your role is quite narrow, I would encourage you to really think outside the box and give it a try. Because when I started working in a startup, it just woke up such an entrepreneurial spirit in me that I didn't know I had. And so I, I'm willing to bet there's a lot of people out there listening that are kind of toying with the idea of making a change. And I would just say, go for it, take risks. That's how you grow. You know, there's a, a quote that I heard a long time ago at a, at a women's conference that I went to that really inspired me. And I, I still, I have it actually written on a, a post-it note here on my desk. And it's, 
you know, a comfort, a comfort zone is a beautiful garden, but nothing ever grows there. And it's, it's so true. You know, you can, you can choose to operate in, in your comfort zone, but you're likely not challenging yourself and expanding your skills and your levels of sort of experience and expertise. And so get, get out there and, and push yourself. You might be really surprised what you're able to accomplish. I know I am with myself. So just a, a little tidbit of advice, Sebastian, for your listeners. I love it. I don't even need to ask you what your final thoughts are because that was a perfect final thought uh, to leave things on. Lisa, it's been an absolute pleasure to chat with you for a few minutes and learn about what you guys uh, have built and continue to build on yours. You sound deeply passionate about what you do. And that is such a grossly underrated trait to have in business, as an entrepreneur, as a startup, whatever it may be. So thank you for your time. Thanks for hanging out with us for a few minutes. And uh, we'll have to have you back on the show sometime, get an update on how things are going over there at Innovate MR. Thank you, Sebastian. Really appreciate your time. And, and hello to all the listeners. Feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. I love to connect with new people all the time. So thanks again. Until next time, friends. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Grit Daily Startup. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you consume podcasts. This way you'll get updates as new episodes become available. This podcast is brought to you by GritDaily.com, the premier startup news hub. More information at GritDaily.com. Once again, I'm your host, Sebastian Rusk. Until next time, friends. Friends.